you know, I've got to play ball here. But I don't want to get into trouble. So I seen him in April for about an hour. And then it wasn't for two years before that. It's not for not trying either. But I think I can safely say with my hand on my heart that the amount of time I've spent in my son's life in the past nine years is about six months. Welcome to Why Daddy Never Cries podcast with your host, Chuck Kelleher. At Why Daddy Never Cries, we'll explore the lives surrounding daddies, their children, divorce, and silent domestic violence. We'll hear real-life horror stories from unsung heroes fighting for the ability to stay in their children's lives. We'll get those voices heard and hopefully find solutions before you lunatics burn the whole place to the ground. Hang in there, daddies. Chuck's here. Chuck Kelleher and Why Daddy Never Cries are providing his podcast as a public service. I've known Chuck for 45 years, and he's neither a lawyer nor a mental health professional. He's not a doctor nor a rogue scholar by any stretch of the imagination. Chuck is simply a guy who's lived in hell for 20 years. Once he found a way out, he drew a map to help others navigate their own way home. The views and opinions expressed by Why Daddy Never Cries, employees, or our guests are their own. Guest appearance on the program do not imply an endorsement of them, their opinions, or any entity they represent. And please, for the love of God, if you have any questions or fears about your unique circumstances, please contact a lawyer, a religious leader of your choice, or a medical professional in your area. Don't fuck this up, brothers, because we're all in this together. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Voss G2, for helping small and medium-sized businesses elevate their brand perception with design. Take your brand to the next level at VossG2.com. We'd also like to thank Harry Duran and his team at Fullcast for their amazing assistance. If you're planning a podcast and you haven't contacted Fullcast, you might as well call your show Podfade. First, I want to thank everyone for tuning into the podcast. The show is growing in leaps and bounds because of the unfortunate plague that's destroying this world and our societies. Imagine someone taking your child from you. You know they're alive and you still can't see them. If you've ever lost anybody, a friend, a sibling, a parent, a grandparent, you know what it's like to mourn, but man, to have a child that you know is alive and they don't want to see you or they can't see you or it just makes their life a hell of a lot easier when they return from seeing you to just not see you. That's why this stuff's got to change. But people aren't listening to that. They're listening to the guys freaking out. They're listening to the guys losing their shit. And that's got to end. Today we're talking with Mike, who unfortunately is mourning a living child. In a world where headlines scream for attention, we choose to listen to the whispers that hold the true revelations. All right, let's get into this. All right. Hey, Mike, welcome to the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast. How we doing, brother? Yeah, I've seen better days, my man, but getting there slowly. So where are we calling home? Uh, Scotland. Scotland. Where about? I'm currently staying on the actual border in a small town called Gala Shields. My grandfather was from White Rig, which I still have to find. My sister got there. I never got there. Oh, yeah. Well, the funny thing is, obviously, uh, when I was in the army the first time, I went through basic training with a guy from Liverpool. And within a week of spending time with him, you wouldn't have actually thought I was Scottish. You actually would have thought I was <laughs> born and bred in Liverpool. It was crazy. 
we lived in a place in the Bronx called Woodlawn, which is basically Ireland uh, in the US. Yeah. It's where everybody comes over. My brogue was getting, I, I don't have a brogue, obviously. I'm from fucking Brooklyn. But uh, yeah, I was starting to pick up little brogue words and stuff. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> I grew up in Irish pubs. Yeah, man. Uh, all right. So uh, your kids, you have the four children. They all live in your area? Mm, so three of them do. Three of them actually live with me. But obviously my son that I've been having difficulties with for a long time, he stays with his mom in Northumberland. Okay. How, how old's the boy? So he is 11. All right, you're getting up to the age where you got to kind of make sure you start getting contact because yeah. I was told after 16, it gets harder and harder. Well, the law over here is is that if he so chooses, he can actually have me removed off his birth certificate when he turns 14. They can do that in Scotland, huh? Well, in the UK. In the UK in general. Yeah. Holy shit. Yep. Yeah, I got a bit of a, a kick to the gut last Thursday. I actually had my son on video call for the first time. So I seen him in April for about an hour. And then it wasn't for two years before that. Mm. And they expect you to maintain a relationship with the guy. Well, I'm sorry, brother. It's not for not trying either. I mean, I've always constantly messaged, messaged his mom to ask to see him. The response I get is, he doesn't want to see you. And when I ask why, all I get is he just doesn't. Yeah, because he doesn't know why. Because it's easier for him not to see you because it makes his life easier with her. Yeah. I know exactly how you feel. But again, it's been a long battle to find out whether it's actually him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he doesn't even know. So you can't even push that too far. No. I mean, even when he was, what, three, four years old, I was getting told he doesn't want to see me. Yeah. But yeah, a lot, the time I seen him before that, I mean, he was begging me not to take him back to his mom. Been there. And it's like, you know, I've, I've got to play ball here. You know, I don't want to get into trouble. I want to keep seeing him. So I've got to take you back, you know, mm -hmm. always try to do everything the right way. Like I mentioned before, I'm I'm a veteran as well. So obviously I wanted to better myself again um, for my kids' sake. So trying to make a decent living in the forces, which coincidentally wasn't all that great. Um, <laughs> but I think I can safely say with my hand on my heart that the amount of time I've spent in my son's life in the past nine years is about six months. Yeah. Back to back time. This is one of the things we're fighting, ladies and gentlemen. This is a dad who just wants to be a dad six months and nine years in his son's life. It's fucking ridiculous. How do people not see this? Sorry, man. Go ahead. It's, it's like, the funny thing is, is that at no point have I ever signed over any parental rights whatsoever. So by law, I have 50-50 rights. Okay. Now, I'm being treated as if I have none. Yeah. You know, by law, I could let you go and pick him up from his school and take him. What's stopping you? Yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, the school. Really? Yes. I finished work early uh, on a Friday, and I literally drove about an hour and a half to two hours down to his school and waited for a good hour and a half for him to come out of the school. Mm -hmm. I even phoned the school reception saying, look, I'm such and such as dad. I'm here outside the school. I was hoping if I could just see him for just five minutes because I knew he gets picked up by the school to get taken home. So basically, like it is over in America with the, the bus service, right. you know, they get on the buses and the buses drop them off at each home location. Sure. So I thought I'd try my luck. Obviously, I've stood outside the school waiting, waiting, waiting. And one of the faculty come over and it's like, can I help you? I was like, yeah, I'm actually here. hope to speak to my son. Oh, you're looking for such and such. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's right. I was like, look, I'll be clear now. Like I said, the reception, I am not picking him up to take him away i'm only here to speak with him for just five minutes at the most why'd you even put that out there because obviously i wanted it to be clear that i wasn't actually taking him fair 
because it would have ended in a massive pardon the language but the best way i can describe it is a shit show yeah you're in good company with that man you can curse here <laughs> oh, oh trust me you don't want to give me that free reign <laughs> fair enough <laughs> <laughs> scottish man and ex-veteran they do not mix well i mean i, I can put sailors to shame well said <laughs> yeah so what i actually found out was the faculty i was actually speaking to was the headmaster oh okay yeah he stood in the way of me getting my kids too that's funny <laughs> Basically, I says, look, I'm not trying to cause trouble. I just want to see him for five minutes. There's nothing legal-wise that is stopping me from having any access to him whatsoever. I have not been deemed a danger. I have not put him in danger, nothing of the sort. He's like, look, okay, right, this once, you can see him for five minutes, and then he'll need to get in his taxis to get taken home. I was like, okay, not a problem. Long and behold, what I wasn't aware of was that the receptionist instantly phoned his mum. They did the same. Uh-huh. After I got off the phone with them, and literally, long and behold, shit show arrived. So I got to speak to him for five minutes. It was rather awkward for him because he had no idea I was coming. Nothing. Right. At that time, he was still calling me dad. He hugged me and everything else. I was like, look, you know, I'm always here. You know, if you ever want to speak to me, you ever want to hang out or anything like that, give me a call, give me a give me a message, you know, anything. I'm always here. And then the headmaster said, right, okay, it's time to go. We need to we need to get this boy home now. I was like, yep, not a problem. So he about turned, went to his taxi. My phone was getting blown up. And long and behold, it was his mother. Hmm. Who do you think you are going to the school and everything else to try and speak to him? If you want to speak to him, you talk to me first. That's not coercive control. No, not at all. To which my reply was, hell no. If I want to see my son, I'll see my son. Go fuck yourself. I agree. Pretty much. But I did it in a politely manner. Yeah. Unlike a boy from Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. To give you a bit more context, I was with this woman for about three years. I got married very young. On pretty much a few days before the wedding, my gut was telling me, don't do this. Yep. I literally, I made the mistake in confiding in my mother that I was like, look, I'm, something's not right here. I'm getting really bad feelings about this. To the reply I got from my mother was, tough shit. We spent the money. You're fucking doing it. Sounds like something my mom would say. My sisters would tell me to walk away. So I was actually speaking to one of the group members today. The way he described it was actually to the letter. The best description I've actually got for this. I started at the top of a mountain, a snow mountain. I trip and I start to roll. And the more I'm rolling, the more snow I'm gathering. And the ball's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Right. To the stage where it's getting that big and it's going that fast, it's hard to control. Now, since I've met this woman, that's pretty much how it's gone. I went from a very, very confident, uh, energetic, happy, will literally give the shirt off his own back to help anybody kind of individual to a complete and utter doormat. Not by choice. Let's make that one clear. No, I'm with you. I know this will be a very touchy subject for some listeners, and I do apologize in advance, but it literally drove me to the verge of committing suicide. It's the whole reason we started this, man, because too many guys went down that road. I almost went down that road. Pretty much everybody we talked to who's been alienated or falsely accused. Yep, yep. As well as dealing with coming out of the army, dealing with a newborn baby, dealing with the emotional domestic abuse I was subjected to for all that time, as well as coming to grips with actually having ADHD. Welcome to the club. <laughs> yeah. So 
having to deal with all that, everything got too much to the stage where I literally grabbed all my medication. I packed all my things in boxes to make things easier for her. Mm-hmm. Funny enough. Yeah. I wrote a letter to my son for when he turned 18, and I wrote a letter to her. And I was literally going to take all my medication to a secluded place with a, a litre bottle of vodka and just... Call it a day. Yeah. Demolish the law. Luckily for me, she actually rocked up because my older half-brother was blowing my phone up and I wouldn't answer to nobody. Now, this was when you went up to see your child or this is when you guys were still together? Uh, Sorry, yeah, I should have made that clear. So this was when me and the ex-wife were still together. Gotcha. Okay. What drove you to the point that you were thinking ending it before the divorce? Let's put it this way. There was a lot of things that had been implanted in my head by her. Okay. To where there was paternity. Doubt. Doubt, thank you. No worries. Paternity doubts, whether she was faithful or not, which set me off on a a very, very dark path. Yeah. Which came later to kind of bite me in the arse as well, which I'll get into later. And just all got too much. She went from very caring when I was actually in the army the first time to a complete ice queen when I left, which instantly told me that, you know, she was one of those that was in it for the money. Trophy husband. Oh, I've got a soldier on my arm. Right. Showing off to all her friends and everything like that. And as soon as all that was gone, nah, fuck him. And it was like... And you were married to her when you were in the service, right? Yes. So you were deployed every now and then, or were you always with her when you were in the service? Just curious. So the first time I was in the army, I had done one tour to Afghanistan okay. at this point. I then met her, and then everything went really fast, like really fast. Yeah. So I left the military because it got that difficult for me, because she was more interested in staying at her parents' house and her horses than actually moving over to Germany with her husband. Okay. Which was always the plan. But as soon as crunch time came, yeah, not happening. Right. So now I got the same with the Toronto trip, which we talked about earlier. It's crazy. that This is the plan. We're doing this. And then as soon as it's time to execute, oh no, different plan now. You're spinning your wheels in the mud all the time for these people. And then obviously the little one came along and then it was just, yeah, everything went south. It was basically the case of that she got what she wanted and yeah, I was just left in the dust. She needed a baby mate. So I had enough. It got to the stage where she actually went out for a night out. Now, the place we were staying, the bars close no later than half one. Okay. What time she come home? <laughs> After five o'clock. Mm. Did she walk? Yeah, but the funny thing is, it's a five-minute walk to the bar. Yeah. That's uphill. I'm sorry, brother. Yeah. So I literally just had enough. So I literally packed all my stuff up, and I left. And I literally asked her to bring the little one to the house after I had the friend's car packed up uh, with all my stuff. I literally asked her to bring the little one down while I had him in my arms and telling him, look, I'll always be a dad. I'll always love you. I'll always be there for you. And I will see you as much as I can. And that, you know, I love him from the bottom of my heart. Of course. So while he's crying, so he's he's one at this point. So he's got a general understanding of what I'm saying. Yeah, dad's leaving. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it together because basically my world's just shattered. She was more pissed the fact that I was taking my TV and my Xbox that I paid for personally 
I left her everything to survive in that house. I left her the fridge, mm -hmm. all the cooking stuff. The cupboards were full with food, all the furniture. I left her everything that I mostly paid for. And I didn't ask for anything for it. But she was literally screaming in my face with my son in my arms. The fact that I took my TV. That was it. That made everything clear to me. The fact that she was more interested in material things than the fact that our actual relationship was over. Yeah. And that I actually walked out, which I think I pissed her off even more. Yeah, that you had the strength to get up and leave after she's been using you. Like you said, a doormat. And trust me, I was a doormat as well. Yeah. No matter what I did, nothing was ever good enough. You wanted A, I got A. And it wasn't like she was uh, ambitious. Like, okay, listen, we just got this goal. Let's get to the next one. Like, let's do this. Let's do it. No, it was like, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't like that anymore. Let's do this now. Yeah. Okay, let's try this, baby. Yeah. You know what? I didn't really like that color. Yeah. yeah I, I, I'm working two jobs. Can uh, can maybe you paint the house? <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It got to the stage where I mean I was even offering to pay for marriage counseling. Same. And she was like, No, cost too much. Well, okay then. We'll sell your fucking horse then. Yeah. Horse or husband. I mean, why is it I'm having offer here with all these cuts I'm having to make just to make sure we've got food on the table and shit, but yeah, I'm still having to pay for your horse. Yeah, no. <laughs> Yeah, after I left, depression hit like hard, even worse than I already had it. The anxiety on top of that as well. I mean, the constant anxiety attacks. She filed for divorce after three months of us splitting up. Okay. Yeah. So I got to see him at the start every weekend. Gotcha. And I was taking him to the parks. I was taking him long walks. He would stay with me overnights and would just have a blast. And then as time went on, she stopped all overnights. So I only got to see him from, say, like 8 o'clock in the morning till like 5, 6 o'clock at night. Did you guys have anything in place from the court yet or this was just an agreement between you guys? No, this was hard dictating. <laughs> yeah, agreement. Fair enough. Yeah, sorry. Obviously, I was trying to go through the courts and everything else, but every time we started the court proceedings, she'd play ball and let me see him. Mm -hmm. And the solicitor was basically saying that, you know, she's playing ball. Let's see how it goes. And then after a certain period of time, she'd cut it again. She'd done it three times. Jeez. So every time I've had to pay extra again for to start mediation because the process with the court says you have to have mediation done first. Right. Then you can apply to the courts. We had four mediators, so yeah. Yeah. They're worth their weight in fucking nothing. Yeah. Now, the funny thing is, so before the first mediation appointment, I'll make it clear this one, because this one stings, but I'm very proud of this at the same time. At the point where I was still having my son overnight, we used to meet halfway. So it would literally be a case of that would meet, I'd get, I'd get him out of her car, and put them in mine. Okay. And then we'd split ways, and then off we go. This specific day, I went to go get them out, and she was rather hostile, saying that, no, I'll get them out, I'll put them in the car. To which my reply was, I'm more than capable of putting him in my own car. Right. No, I'll do it. You know what, fine, I'm not going to argue in front of the kid, not happening. Okay, fine, do it. She puts them in the car, off we go. Now, from a very young age, my son was quite independent. He liked to do things himself. Okay. When we got to the house, I would unbuckle his seatbelt, his car seat. Uh, he would then climb out himself, right. jump out of the car, and like quickly run to the, the front door. Yeah. Yeah. So now at this point, I'm, I was currently staying with my, my parents, you know, trying to get my head sorted, trying to get back on my feet. Yeah, trying to afford a place to live. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. Sister's couch for six months. Yeah. So we go in, and I was like, you know, hey, wee man, I've not had my cuddles yet. So I went to pick him up, picked him up, and he was howling in pain. Ooh. I was like, wait a minute, what? So instantly, my instant reaction was put him down. Yeah. 
So I put him down. I was like, what happened, bud? He's like, I'm sore, daddy. Why are you sore? So I lifted up his top. He had bruises oh, God. down the one side of his ribs. Just his ribs. Nowhere else. Mm-hmm. I asked him what happened. Um, um, the dog tripped me down the stairs. It happened. The house that they were staying in was the house I left. Basically, it's one complete flight of stairs. Okay. But it has a curve. Gotcha. You know what? You get what I mean? I instantly called bullshit on it. Now, as a child, I was brought up around big dogs. Big, energetic dogs. We're a ratty family. Yeah. So I got knocked down the stairs quite a few times. Mm-hmm. Hence why probably I haven't gotten into like law or a doctor or anything like that. But hell, that was just my path. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so instantly I thought, right, if he fell down the stairs, he'd be covered in more bruises than just that. Agreed. The exact bruise in just one location and nowhere else is damn not near impossible. There's something else here. So I says, right, the dog didn't trip you down the stairs, did he? I says, you can tell me the truth. You will not be in trouble. I promise. I will not be angry with you. And he puts his head to the floor. Mm. I'm like, gotcha. I was like, look, bud, you need to tell me. It's important. I says, did the dog trip you down the stairs? He shakes his head. Right. He's shaking his head now. Yeah. No, daddy. No, daddy. I say, so it wasn't your mom, was it? No, daddy. I says, it wasn't your granda, your, your granny or your granda? No, daddy. I says, okay. Can you tell me who it, who it was? And he looks at the floor again. I was like, you know, bud, you, you can't trust me. Right? I need you to tell me. It's very important. And he takes a deep breath. He says, it was mommy's boyfriend. Fuck. Instantly, my heart went into my throat. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, at the time, my mother was in the room with us. I looked at her, and she nodded her head, as in knowing what I'm going to do next. Right. So I turned to him, and I said, tell you what, bud, it's okay. Don't you worry. Why don't you sit on this, the, the couch and watch cartoons with Granny? I'll be right back. <laughs> yep. He's like, okay, Dad. So he sits on the couch. Now, at this time, we were staying in a very old farm cottage. It had three bedrooms but it was very long, all ground level. Okay. So I went from the living room, which was on one far side of the house, to the very far end of the, closing every door behind me. Right. To make sure that he never heard anything what I was about to say. Mm-hmm. So I phoned her and instantly got hostility from her. Not, is everything okay? Is, you know, is the little one okay? Nothing. Just pure hostility. Why the fuck are you phoning me? That's why she put him in the car. Well, you fucking know why, bitch. <laughs> anyway, I played dumb. I says, I just noticed the bruises on, on the little one's ribs. What happened? Dog knocked them down the stairs. I mean, is that right? She went, yeah, it is. Why? I says, well, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll make this clear as possible so you better listen. I says, if your boyfriend comes in with a hundred miles of my son again, I'm going to kill him. Yep. Then I'm coming for you. What do you mean by that? Exactly how it sounds. And this is the very last time, the first time and last time I will ever tell you that. And then I put I put an end to the call. Right. Now, the funny thing is, now this is how sick and sadistic she is. Before this incident happened, before I even knew this boyfriend even existed and was on the scene, she was playing head games. Basically, before I left the army, my morale, my mental state went that south that I ended up drinking very heavily. Welcome to the club. To which, at one point, I was actually coughing up blood Oof. yeah during in the, a room inspection i was rushed to the medical facility and was told that if i didn't stop drinking there and then i was gonna die 
room inspection in the service? In the army, yeah. In the, okay. So this was still in the army. These days, you think room inspection or something like that. It's social services coming to make sure you got a place to keep your kids. It, yeah. So I tried. So after that day, I literally left the, the alcohol until this specific day. Oh. Now, I was living with my parents. And like I said, the ex-wife was playing head games. And I decided to walk down to the local village, to the store. I bought 21 bottle case of beer. Okay, it's a good size. Walked back to the house and finished the full box that night. Now, I got to see your commitment. Did you have any on the way? Not on the way, no. Ah, I would have drank them on the way home. You were walking, I would have had two or three before I even got the door. Well, true, but as, as much as I was thinking of that, but the weight would have been a lot less by the time I got home. True, true. It's been five years since I drank, so I can definitely empathize with you. <laughs> Bear in mind, the walk was at least about 15 miles. Okay. One way. I would have need two suitcases of beer then. So I'd, I would have finished them by the time I got home anyway. So yep. if I didn't fall in a bush beforehand, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so cut the long story short. So I got home, finished the case of beer, then moved on to a liter bottle of vodka. Mm. And then me being the dumbass I was, had my phone in front of me. No! Go ahead. Go ahead, Mike. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Once I tell you this, you're probably going to want to high five me. I send her a message, just the words, thank you. Sure, reply. Instant, instantly replies. Why are you thanking? I says, just thank you. Instantly, I get a phone call. I was like, why are you phoning me? Well, why are you thanking me? Because I'm sitting here and I've been thinking. I'm thanking you because you've actually made me realize that I deserve a fuck ton better than you. And the reason that you disagreed with us getting back together has given me that chance to, one, find myself again, and two, the ability to actually live my own life. Absolutely. But I was actually thinking if I was actually giving it another try, but I'm just so confused. I don't know what to do. I was like, well, you've already filed for divorce. So the divorce is due to come and play as of December. So you've got till then to make up your fucking mind. Otherwise, I'm done. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gone. You've got no fucking chance after that. She's like, okay. I was like, look, I'm not meeting anyone. I've got no interest in getting with anyone or meeting with anyone or anything like that. So I'd hope you'd do the same. Yeah, of course not. I don't want to be with anybody else, anything else, blah, 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 blah. Two weeks go by. Hence, new boyfriend. Me, pissed off, dumbass. You know what? Fucking forget it. I'll save you the time. I'm not waiting till December. No fucking happening. I agree. Mm -hmm. So this is when she started getting really fucking sour. All right, uh, you got me. I'm hooked. What do you got? <laughs> oh, she just went in a pure bitch mode. And then obviously that happened to my son, to which I went full throttle. Yeah. We went for our first mediation appointment. Both of us. The two, the one, the one, and the two, right? Yeah. So you go together, yep. two individual appointments, and you come back together to find out this ain't going to fucking work. Pretty much. Yep. But anyway, so we had our joint mediation appointment. The whole time she was more interested in trying to score points about the relationship and why it didn't work and so on and so forth. To which my reply was, look, I don't give a fuck about that. I'm here to discuss our son mm -hmm. and me having proper visitation. It's that simple. You know, I don't give a fuck who you sleep with or who you don't. I don't care. Mm -hmm. As long as it's not around my son and I have proper visitation to him, I don't care. Yeah. So the mediator then asked, so in saying that, have you got a new partner? I was like, I don't. She does. How do you know that? I just do. To which his mum replies, I don't anymore. We broke up because he couldn't handle the arguing between me and, me and Michael. Smart man. I said it. 
Yeah, I sniggered. Mediator instantly picked up on it. What's so funny? I looked at his mother dead in the eye. I says, do you want to tell her the truth or will I? The mediator is instantly intrigued, as in, oh, what's going on here? <laughs> she went, what do you mean by that, Michael? I went, exactly what it means. And I looked at her again, and I repeat myself again. Are you going to tell her the truth or shall I? Because I don't give shits, two shits either way. To the stage where his mum was literally that red in the face. If looks could tell, I would have been dead on the spot. Yeah, and she can't yell at you in that circumstance, so. Exactly. I like where you're going. So, obviously, she was sitting that tight-lipped that she'd never said anything. I says, fine, I'll do it. So I told the mediator everything, word for word, as I have said to you so far. Mm -hmm. The mediator's face hit the floor and said, did you honestly say that to her? Uh -huh. I went, yep. I says, and I would gladly say it in court. I says, my main priority is my kid's safety. That is my number one as a parent priority. And obviously wasn't hers. Yeah. Oh, that stung. Oh, she was literally, she went full on nuclear at that point. To say, the mediator or your ex? Oh, the ex. Okay. Bursting into tears, like the typical narcissist as in the victim approach. The mediator asks me to leave the room to let the ex-wife calm down. I went, okay, but what well didn't realize was is that when I went around the corner, I could still hear what was happening in that room. Okay. And I was being called everything under the sun. I did this to her. I done that to her. And I'm literally howling in the corridor. What were the accusations? Oh, I used to beat her. I used to do this. Um, nothing but a cheat. Loads of shit. Okay. That I can remember. I mean, that we're talking years ago, man. Fair, fair enough. Yeah, the, the mediator came out to me to ask me, be quiet. I says, I'm sorry, but I've got to laugh. It's all bullshit. I was like, let me ask you a question here. In this whole meeting, when did you mention my son? What do you mean? I says, this is a mediation session to discuss our son about having a proper relationship with me. At what point in this whole meeting did she say anything about me having a relationship with my son? Well, she hasn't. I says, exactly. I says, she's here to score points. Mm -hmm. Playing the victim. I'm getting rinsed through child maintenance here. How's she the victim? I'm doing everything I can to see my son, but yet she's getting all the money. Right. I'm not getting any uh, legal aid. I'm a man, damn it. I don't get it. So she refused to go to the next session after that. Let's put it that way. Okay. Yeah. But what she doesn't realize is, is that, that whole conversation was recorded. Nice. On paper. Oh, the mediator actually kept good notes. Yep. Well, that's good. Oh, yeah. I got sent to the solicitor. So the solicitor has everything. But obviously the solicitor doesn't do legal aid and stuff like that. And with my financial circumstances, with having another three kids to look after, right. it's pretty much non-existent at this point. But here's the kicker. Now, this is really going to trigger some of the parents out there that have been battling to see their kids and haven't, or have been suffering from parent alienation like I have. Like I've said before, I've spent nine years to try and have a proper relationship with my son. Nine years. And I've spent about, in total, time-wise, about six months of his life with him. Every time I have seen him, I've tried to make it the best time possible. Yeah. I've tried to do take him to parks, walks, take him to the beach. If we had the money, go to the zoo. You know, things that would be interesting and educational. For example, we took him to a couple of places that were actually filmed in movies. Oh, cool. For example, the, the film... Um, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, mm -hmm. with Kevin Costner. Oh, yeah. Just to clarify, so the, the waterfalls that they fought, they fought on, you know, with the bow staffs? Yeah, 100%. I've seen it a couple of times. That iconic scene, and when Robin Hood's finally taking a bath at the waterfall, mm -hmm. 
both of those places were literally 20 to 30 minute drive away from where I was stationed when I got in the army the second time. Okay. So, you know, we took them to the interesting places. I did the same with my daughters. Exact same thing. Museum of Natural History, whatever I could do. But we did it all as a family. Yep. So he got to spend as much time with his stepbrother. He's the oldest. No, 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 no. So my wife now, my current wife, she had a son before I met her. Okay. Who I've raised since he was young. Okay. Because we've been together going on pretty much close to eight years now. Oh, wow. Okay. Sorry, no, not eight years. Seven years, sorry. Okay. Ever since I met the wife, the ex-wife has been like, yeah, even worse. It really did my relationship in as well. Oh, yeah. I'm married now 10 years, but yeah, it was a living. It was the best year of my life was the year she didn't know we were dating. We started talking about this earlier. I'll leave the rest of the story out, but yeah. that was the best year of my life when she didn't know we were dating. And then once she found out we were dating, yeah. destroyed. As I was saying, I got, a, I got a message. Oh, I've had plenty of messages saying that, you know, he doesn't want to see me. He doesn't see me as his dad. He wants her new boyfriend, who she's just had a child to, he wants him to adopt them. He's got a dad. Yep. Yeah, I know. I've had that he wanted to change his name and supposedly he has full mental breakdowns every time I get mentioned that he's going to go see me. Hmm. Yeah. And this has been since he was three onwards. Funny that. Yeah. Similar. Yeah. So I literally said, right, I've had enough. I want to hear it from his mouth. How about you meet me, say, Saturday at 11 o'clock and get it all out in the open. Put the cards on the table. To which the reply was, no, he doesn't want to see you. He wants to do it over a video call instead. Okay. How convenient. Hmm. Yeah. Now, what she doesn't realize is, is that that video call was actually recorded. My current wife recorded it. Nice. On her phone. Good, because it doesn't show up in the screen like this one, right? Sh- yeah. Smart. Smart. Yeah. So basically, her phone was sitting just to the side of the camera view with perfect view onto my phone. And then they couldn't tell that it was being recorded. That's awesome. Now, through the whole conversation, he was constantly looking like as if he's looking across the room. For direction. For direction and validation. 100%. Instantly. So I started off saying, hi, uh, so I'm being told that you don't want to see me anymore. It's true. Okay. So you don't want me to be your dad. So he starts nodding his head. I was like, okay. Can I ask why? Because you lied. I was like, wait a minute. What did I lie about? You told me that some people don't come back from Afghanistan when you were going to Afghanistan. I was like, okay, bud. You were one. <laughs> that isn't a lie. Yeah, and it is not a lie, unfortunately. You go to Afghanistan or did go to Afghanistan, some people didn't make it home. Yeah, man. That's not a lie. But yet some people did. So at no point did I lie to you. He's like, no, because when I got home, I was upset. My mom phoned you and said that you said that and you told her that you never said that to me at all. I'm like, what? Right, okay. I got married when I got back from Afghanistan, and that was on the 13th of October, 2020. Okay. Yeah, I've literally just celebrated my leather anniversary, so yeah. So three years. I was in Afghan before that, and I seen him before that. Okay. So the fact that they can remember that far back... They can't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite good that way, because I have an iconic memory. Nice. So specific, important information, I can usually memorize, and it will stick. It's like your military number. You never forget it. What stung the most was the fact that he turned around and says, well, you've not been much of a dad anyway. Yeah, I got that once. How? At one point, I was messaging every single day asking about his welfare. How he was, if he had a good day at school, you know, yeah, if he wanted to see me or if there was anything he wanted for his birthdays or his Christmases or anything like that, which bear in mind, may I might add, I didn't have him for any of them. Yeah. Not a single birthday. 
Not Christmas, not summer, nothing. Holidays can suck. Yeah, ain't that a bitch. Obviously, with having to battle for it and everything else as well, and, you know, he was telling me on the phone that he does want her boyfriend to adopt him. The so-called stepdad picks the phone off him because he was getting upset. Mm-hmm. Now, when the phone was transferring hands, which clearly shows in the video, right. that the direction he was looking in, long and behold, who was sitting there? <laughs> His mother. Mm, so much for a private call. The direction he was staring on the call, mm-hmm. they kept looking up for validation, was his mother. Oh, that's heartbreaking, dude. Yeah, then the stepdad takes over the phone and practically te- tells me how to parent. I'm like... Well, right now he's his step-boyfriend, so yeah. fucking step up and marry her before you want to be a stepdad. I was like, who the fuck are you, motherfucker? I have never spoke to you at all since today. Who the hell are you to tell me how to parent and telling me that I need to give my son space so he can work through things? What, so I can have that thrown back in my face again? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, every time I get told or asked to give him a bit of space, let him work things through, and so on and so forth. When I've done that, and I message saying, okay, can I see him? It's like, well, he doesn't want to see you. You've not fucking been there. Little catch-22. Yeah, so you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what the hell's going on here? So now I'm currently at the battle whether to use the resources I have, the abundant resources I have at my disposal right now, and go all the way, or do I relinquish all my parental rights? and let him come to me when he's older. I don't know if that works, to be honest with you. It can, but at the same time, no, like I've said to a few individuals already who I've told my story to, is that I want what's best for him. Of course. And I don't want to be dragging him through any more mental or emotional distress than he's already been going through, especially with being alienated against me. Yeah. I mean, if you see the video, you can you can tell that he's he's been brainwashed. Just by you talking about what the way his eyes are and then the mom sitting right there, how are you supposed to have a casual conversation with your boy when exactly he needs value? And listen, at the end of the day, he's got to live with her. Yep. It's like, you hang up the phone, dad, and I live in hell. Yep, pretty much. It's like, what do I do? So I'm torn, like significantly torn, whether to fight with whatever fight I've got left in me. Yeah. Or do I just give up? Well, not, it's not exactly giving up. No, give him the space he needs so he's not tormented, and then hopefully he realizes that you did it for him and not abandoned him. Yeah, pretty much. So over in the UK, we have a thing called the Child Maintenance Service. Okay. Which is child support. Now- We have a guy in the who's going up against the CMS. He's called that CMS guy on TikTok. He's a good guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's good, but the actual companies- Oh, they suck. That's why he's going after him. Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Well, let's put it this way. So while I was in the military, I always gave her plenty of notice that I'm going away on operations. Fair enough. Now, through my whole military career, I've done two operations to Afghanistan. I've done an operations to Iraq. And I've also done six month stint, sorry, six to seven months stint over in Canada. Okay. And I have notified her every time that I'm that I'm leaving the country. Sure. You know, to prepare him. Like I mentioned before, I've been in the army twice. Oh, right, right. So the first time I was stationed in Germany. The second time I was stationed in the UK. Gotcha. So the first time was where I was in the logistics. Second time I was infantry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a little different. Um, oh, hell yes. <laughs> yeah, so I notified her every time. Yep. And well enough advance to then where she would be straight on the phone to CMS, notifying them that I'm getting a pay increase 
to where they literally shot my income through the roof. To at one point, I was paying £450 for one child. I pay 520 for two, so that's a lot. Yeah, and that was with having dependents on the record as well. I assume we're talking weekly? No, that was monthly. Oh, mine's weekly. Holy shit, you earn more than I do then. Not back then, I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't hurt now, but it used to hurt a lot. Tell me about it. But I've been battling with these since the case was started. Mm -hmm. Because my income was constantly inflated to this insane amount. And every time I tried to challenge it, they were like, no, that's right. Most like, no, it fucking isn't. But I literally had somewhat of a break about four weeks ago. I've literally been on the phone with CMS like daily, pretty much, um, fighting this case. Because according to them, I'm £1,800 in arrears. Wow. Yeah, just out of the blue. Yep. These are fines, fees, supposed mispayments, everything else. When I asked for the information, they gave me a load of gobbledygook. That makes no fucking sense. So I've been battling with that. Listen, when this is over, I'm going to introduce you to that CMS guy because he's been after these guys. He's got the tricks and he's a good dude. Is it Chris by any chance? Paul. Oh, oh so there's another one. Oh, sweet. Oh, cool. Okay. I don't know, Chris. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of them going after them. Now, the funny thing is, one of the complaint managers who was on the phone to me because I went through my local MP, okay. my uh, member of parliament. Yep. She actually admitted over a call that CMS has actually made a lot of mistakes on my case. Tell me you got that recorded. Oh, it will be. But yet, everything is still correct. This isn't a mistake. All the other stuff was a mistake, but this, no, this isn't it. Yeah, work that one out. I was put on to deductions from wages. For, oh, sorry, deductions from earnings, mm -hmm. right? In my previous job, when I shouldn't have been. And you look like a bum at work because they think you're a scumbag not paying your, what you should be paying. Yeah, been there. So I went from trying to rake in all the overtime I could get to let you go into zero overtime, which took a hit on my household as well. Mm -hmm. What to do? Let's try to spitball this then. So how far away are you from your son's school now? About two hour drive. All right. That's a, that's a hike. That's about how far I'm away from my girls now. But again, they're older, so it's a lot easier. Yeah. Do you have any court documents that legally allow you to be with your son? Nope. I've got no court documents whatsoever, but neither does she. Do you have a copy of his birth certificate? I've got his birth certificate. I'll tell you my scenario, and then you can kind of go back and forth. So the parent alienation started kicking in. My ex is, there are my ex is second generation parent alienation. Mm -hmm. You know, her dad was an abusive bastard, and her mom used to coach women how to t testify in court who were victims of domestic violence. Fuck's sake, right, okay. Uh -huh. Exactly. I went down the whole false allegations DV road out of the blue. Yeah. Short story endless, the parent alienation came. I knew it was coming because I had the playbook from when we were married and in love. I knew what her mom did. I was like, oh, she's going to do the exact same thing. So when my daughters told me they don't like me, they don't want to see me, you know, they don't want to see me anymore. They don't want to come to daddy's house. Yeah. Every Thursday, I got them every other weekend and Thursday for daddy dinner nights. Mm -hmm. Cookie cutter divorce dip that you pay a hundred grand for in, in America and everybody gets the same shit. Yep. Every Thursday after work, I drive to the school. Sometimes they delayed coming out because they didn't want to see me. Other times they'd go out the side door. So I'd have to stand on an angle of the school just to see them. And I would literally be like, hey, love you. Want to go to dinner? They'd ignore me. Okay. I'll be back next Thursday. And I did that for about six months. Mm-hmm. Then they started coming around and I have a relationship with today with my kids because of it. That's a long way to go to get rejected. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it does show your kid every now and then that you're trying to be there for him. Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is for a long time, the only connection I had with them was over that, that game Fortnite. 
Mm-hmm. Minecraft here. That's how we bonded. Yeah. So the funny thing is, his mother then put on a parental control. So anybody over a certain age couldn't speak with him or couldn't friend him right. without her putting on some sort of passcode. And yet miraculously forgot the passcode. That's awesome. So I can't play with him on Fortnite anymore. Yep. The only loophole I had was my stepson. Oh, smart. Now, yes. So when those two were together, you wouldn't have thought they were, you know, stepbrothers. Yeah. That's how much of a connection they had when they were together. Because thieves. Yep. Yeah. I wasn't even notified that my son had COVID. I found out from one of my son's friends while playing Fortnite. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Was it right in the thick of it too when everyone was scared out of their mind? I didn't find out till it was all coming off. Yeah, that's that's good ish. Oh, you had it mid COVID. Oh yeah, no, it was a scary time. But I wasn't even no, yeah. It's tough. So I, th- I think one of the saving graces we have now, and what's going to differ from you and me being in our kids' lives in the future, and why I have a relationship with my kids, I think, is because I didn't have to call the home phone and let mom take it off the hook after five o'clock when you get it off of work, and then put it back on the hook at nine o'clock when she knows you can't call anymore because it's after your hours of calling. Mm-hmm. The kids had cell phones at one time, so I could text them. They have cell phones now, so I could text them. Now, your guy's a little young. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Oh, he's got a phone. Funny you're actually saying this. He's got a phone. Of course he does. <laughs> he's got Snapchat and all that good stuff, but yet I can't have his number. He's got mine, supposedly, Right. but I can't have his mobile number. He doesn't want me to have his mobile number. And what's going to happen, and you know it, is if he does say this to the court, they'll say, okay, especially where you guys are, man. They don't give a shit. Here, they'll at least force you to be together for a little while. See, the funny thing is, with all the evidence I have, with all the messages, everything, I have been told by numerous solicitors now and law professionals that I will win hands down. Hmm. I always like that. If you have X amount of money? Well, pretty much, yeah. That is the bloody case nowadays. Yeah, you ain't kidding. Obviously, like I said before, with the resources I've got at my disposal at the moment, because of the amazing group we're part of, I can get all the help I need. And he's speaking about the Falsely Accused Network UK. Anybody who's out there experiencing anything like this, get in touch with the Falsely Accused Network UK. And I tell you what, man, there's a great group of guys and a great group of resources. There's Americans there, Canadians. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've been lost with a lot of this for a long time. Yeah, brother. And the lonely feeling you get with going through all this as well. Now, whether you've got a partner or not, they don't truly understand what it exactly is you're going through. But everybody in this group has had some sort of idea or have been through the similar situation as I have. And the support, I can't even put it in the words. It's just been absolutely phenomenal. I tell you, I wish these guys were here when I was going through this shit, man, because I was alone in a Brooklyn basement the whole time sucked yeah uh, i bet man i'm sorry for that i mean i just wish there was this at the beginning yeah so the fact that i wouldn't have actually missed out on so much of his life and i i literally it keeps me up all night every night near enough you know but the thing that kills me the most is is that my other kids my stepson my daughter and my youngest son who's literally going to be one shortly god bless yeah my my stepson and my daughter are like when are we going to see him again how old are they and I can answer that. The oldest one is 12. Okay. My daughter is five, going on 16. <laughs> Wait till they're 16, going on 30. Oh, Christ. The fact that, you know, we have pictures of him all over the house. Same. So they know who he is. And you know he's got zero pictures of them in his house, because I know my kids didn't. Yeah, exactly. Apparently he had one picture of me on his wall and it disappeared. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking when they constantly ask, when are we next going to see him? And I can't answer that. My little guys in my second marriage are four and seven and same thing. 
when they're coming over, when they're coming over and their life's really hard when they come over. Yeah. Of course, I don't tell the kids that. I just said, oh, you know, they're working, they're busy, they're whatever. But you know what? My, uh, the youngest of the oldest is supposedly coming over next weekend. So we have a three day weekend here. It's veterans day on Friday. So we all have, we have off from work and, uh, God willing, we'll have a three day weekend, which will be amazing. It's really turned around, guys. It's really turned around. We got to figure out a way to keep you in your son's life somehow. Whether it's maybe That's right. maybe his stepbrother befriending him on uh, Snapchat. Oh, he is. He is. But he's rather distant with him now as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're practically getting no communication from him whatsoever. It's, it's a bit of a killer. Yeah, no, it hurts. It hurts a lot. Now, when are you thinking on moving? Because you are right about having the new partner. My trying to stay in my children's lives put such a strain on my marriage now, back in the earlier days. You end up choosing. You're almost thinking like, am I going to do this again? Like my buddies and I were just joking. My two older daughters are about to be emancipated. I'll be done paying child support in four years. Yeah. If I got divorced right now with a four and a seven-year-old, I'd be paying child support my entire adult life. It's like, Jesus. Yeah. I have to give a lot of credit to my wife because I'll be honest with you, I have been a royal bastard to her. It's hard, man. You go through some shit. When I got with her, yeah, everything was like, oh, puppy love at first. And from then, it was literally, I was on auto-destruct. Yeah. I was on literally self-sabotage from the word go. Yeah, no, I get that. I fucking regretted every single second of it. And it wasn't until I actually started looking at myself and why I've become the way I have and everything else that I've actually realized that all this damage was due to the ex-wife. Yeah. There's so many emotions that it's, it's hard to it's hard to wrap my head around. Like everything's up in the air. And I'll be honest with you, currently I'm actually having to go through therapy because of it all. No, it's good you're doing that, man. Yeah. You're very good you're doing that. Yeah. Because one thing I learned is some good advice and it took a lot. I think it was from uh, Unfuck Yourself, the book by uh, John Bishop. Yeah. Don't let them live run free in your head. Or it might have been something I talked about with a buddy of mine. Somewhere I got that advice, but don't let them live run free in your head. And they do. They will eat your soul because you'll overthink everything 24-7. You wake up, you're thinking about where the hell's my kid. You go to bed, I hope my kid's doing all right. Oh, believe me, that's been happening for the past nine years. You're mourning a living kid. Yeah, pretty much. For a long part of the time, like before even my daughter came along, I didn't actually feel like a parent. No, no. I know that sounds really horrible, but I honestly did not actually feel like a parent. So when my daughter actually finally came along and then parenthood actually hit me, I was like, holy fuck. Yeah. I'd gladly die for any one of my kids. Absolutely, same. Any four of them, including my wife as well. Same. I mean, if it wasn't for her, if it wasn't for her and my four kids, I would not be on this call to you right now. Yeah. That's how severe it is. Yeah, it's just just a lot to battle with. And not going to lie, for a long time, it's feeling like I'm battling a losing battle here. All right. So the one thing we know right off the bat is, you know, you got the three at home. So no matter what, you're going to have to be there for them. So that takes away all the other thoughts we've ever had, right? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, 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 definitely. And, you know, this is for you and everybody out there listening who's in the exact same similar scenario. And these scenarios are so similar, man. It's insane how they don't see it. Best advice I can give you is that if you've got another family after like your previous relationships ended, you need to look at that, your new family and realize that, you know, they need you too. They're your anchor. Absolutely. As soon as you find that anchor, as much as those thoughts will keep coming at you, and I'm not going to lie, they constantly will come at you, especially when you're you're really low. You won't act on it because you've got that anchor in place. Yeah. Now, what do we do with the guys out there who don't have the anchor in place? You just need to find a way to center yourself. There you go. You need to find something that... Now, 
I'm a very hot-tempered fucker, shall we say. A Scotsman? No. Especially with having ADHD. <laughs> yeah, not just the Scottish, but having ADHD as well. I can literally go from zero to 100 quicker than you can blink. All right. That's hard to live with. Now, to the stage where, I mean, I can safely say that, yes, I am terrified of losing my wife and my kids, all four of my kids. Mm-hmm. But what scares me even more is myself. Okay. As soon as I hit that red veil, mist coming over the ice point, that's it. I have zero control. I'm literally like a bull in a china shop, and that terrifies the shit out of me. Now, do you do box breathing and relaxation exercises when you feel the triggers coming? When I feel the triggers coming, I actually taught myself a technique. Oh. And it's similar to the candle technique. I don't know if you know it. I don't, but please explain. So you basically, you close your eyes, you visualize a candle, and the wick's burning away. And every deep breath you take, the candle's burning deeper and deeper down the wick. So basically, you're visualizing it, and it's supposed to help your heart rate slow down. Definitely. the Visualizing the candle is going to take your mind off of whatever is bothering you, and the breathing is definitely going to help the body. But I take it one step beyond. What I usually do is is that I, when I close my eyes, and I've, my heart is racing like a racehorse, like, yeah, fucking come on, let's go. Mm-hmm. I'll literally close my eyes and I will literally visualize my heart beating. Seeing that I can actually feel my heart beating, it's easier for me to visualize it. Yeah. So what I do then is, is that every time I take a deep breath, I'm visualizing my heart rate slowing down. And the fact that I'm feeling it as well, I know when to stop. That's what I've been doing. So it's funny. I do the box breathing as well, and I definitely am anxious. One of the problems with you know growing up Brooklyn and growing up in a, my household, which you know even though we moved out of Brooklyn fairly early, we were raised as if we were still in Brooklyn, which is crazy. But same thing, we go zero to 60. And in my house growing up, you would tell someone to go fuck their mother and then go have a drink yeah. because it didn't mean anything. So the words that come out of my mouth are horrific. And it's, it's instant fight or flight. I'm not fucking running. Yeah. So the fight's on. Yeah. I like the heartbeat idea because when you're racing and you focus, you can feel your heart. You can really feel it pounding in your chest. And when you box breathe, you definitely feel that coming down. Yeah, And I love the idea because you can feel the heart anyway. So, you know, candle in the heart switch. Yeah. But you're actually focusing on the one thing that's racing you. I think that's awesome. Yeah. All right, Mike, thanks for being on the Why Daddy Never Cries podcast, man. We'll keep in touch and we're going to, uh, we'll get updates from you as we go. Good luck, brother. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I'll talk to you soon, man. Talk to you soon. Some of the best advice we just got from Mike today is know your triggers and then know how to abate them. Mike can tell when he's about to blow up, and he worked out a technique that works to calm him down. He took box breathing, added other techniques, and made something that worked for him. Just like this show, just like your lawyers, just like everything that's happening to you right now, you have to tailor life to fit your exact situation. No two situations are the same, but there are a lot of similarities. Now, there are a couple of missed opportunities to record conversations, and man, I hate the fact that anytime you talk to somebody, friend or foe, you gotta wonder, are they recording me? It's a real bullshit society we live in right now. But fortunately, having technology like that is saving families, man. So once you know it's fucking game on, once you know the war has started, especially if you didn't cause it, you got to wake up quickly and start protecting your ass because your ass is protecting your kids. Waiting for your kids to come to you when they get older, to me, that's leaving your family's fate to chance. It works for some guys. It doesn't work for others. I painfully stayed in my children's lives. It worked. You know, I didn't see them every week. I didn't drag them out of their mom's house when it was my time if they didn't want to go. But I went when I had to go to pick them up. I was there. And we'll see. Right now we have a good relationship. So time will tell. But I would figure out a way to somehow keep in contact. But sometimes you can't stick around. It's too much. And you mean more to your kids being alive and functional than present and dead.
Some great advice I got from Mike from the Falsely Accused Network UK is, did you try your hardest? And if you did, if you tried your hardest, maybe it is best to walk away sometimes. Again, all situations are unique. And if I can give any advice here, when you're talking to authorities, when you're talking to social workers, when you're talking to anybody about your situation that controls if you can or can't see your kids, sounds crazy to even say that, leave out money. Unless the conversation comes up, don't be, I'm paying all this money and I don't get any time. I'm paying all this money and I don't get this. It's not about the money. And even if you're having troubles, struggling financially, again, like live behind an ice machine in JFK airport because I couldn't afford the commute or the time to get back and forth to work. Even if money is an issue, don't let them spin it and think that's all you care about. Because at the end of the day, you wouldn't be here if money's all you cared about. Abusive dads aren't fighting to stay in their children's lives. All right, Joe, take us home. We must get our voices out there. Send us your stories to Why Daddy Never Cries at Gmail or Why Daddy Never Cries on Facebook. Remember, this is a daily and sometimes hourly struggle. So follow us on Daddy Never Cries at Twitter and Why Daddy Never Cries on Instagram and let your voice be heard. Let's end the fatherless children's syndrome that's plaguing this world. You can't change what happened to you, brothers. So figure out how to make it work for you and your children. When life gave me lemons, I said the hell with a glass. I'm making an international lemonade franchise. So until next time, take a deep breath. You've got this, Daddy. Don't you, man.